So let's go. So we're up to the Gemara, Mem Gimel Amadalaf. And we're discussing all the halachas about what we, in other words, if we have an item which is muksa, what's the halacha in terms of um, putting this item of muksa into a kli? So let's say we're discussing, can I put a kli underneath a chicken? An egg is muksa. So now, can I put a kli underneath the chicken in order to catch the egg? We'll say the bar- you have a barrel of tevel, wine, midrabonon, I can't separate truma, and say this barrel bursts. And the question is, could I, could I put a kli underneath it in order to save the wine? Because now the kli is going to be holding an item of muksa. So we've had two different views so far. Either we had the first explanation. The first um, explanation was according to um, Reb Chizda. He says that the Rabbana were more makel to save something which is a common thing. So we saw all these halachas, these new barrels of wine, they're more susceptible to break. And therefore, because it's a Hatzalah Metsuya, it's something which regularly happens one's slightly more lenient with Hilchus Muksa, and one's allowed to put a Kli to save something of Muksa, even though um, even though I'm moving the Kli for the sake of something Muksa. So that was the first explanation. So c- according to this, Chazal um, took into account how likely is this damage to happen, and according to that, based their colours, if we're allowed to move the Kli, to save it. The second explanation, this was all based on a saying that when it comes to a chicken laying an egg, one isn't allowed to put a kli underneath the chicken to catch it, but one is allowed to put a kli over the egg in order so the egg shouldn't be broken. And there the Gemara was making the difference. What's the difference between putting a kli underneath the egg in order to save it, or putting a kli on top of the egg so it shouldn't get crushed? So the Gemara says, the way a chicken normally lays an egg, it's normally in a rubbish dump. And therefore there's no real concern. Once it's laid, it's going to slide down a a slanty road and crack. The main concern is someone is going to stand on it. And therefore to catch the egg in the kli, that was something which is Hatsala She'ena Mutsuya. It's something which didn't regularly happen. However, to actually put the kli over the egg, there the egg is something which does get broken, and because people trample on it, that's a Hatzalah Then we had another difference, according to 
Rabbi Yosef, he explains a slightly different way of looking at things. He said the problem is the moment you put a kli underneath the chicken to accept the egg, then you're being mavato the kli mehechadai. Because now you can no longer use the kli for its purpose, because it now contains an item of muksa. And therefore, according to Rabbi Yosef, he says to put a kli on top of the egg, there there's no problem. Because if the eggs on the could there the... be a problem? Sorry, could there be a problem if there's a chick about to hatch? You're trapping the chick inside the egg. Right. I think it's there. It's just where it's laid the egg. Really. It's not allowed to hatch. Okay, yeah. Sorry. But even then, we'll get into a discussion. If you, we'll, we're going to see, it's similar discussion with bees. But yeah, you'll be entering into grounds of Dava Sheina Miskavin also, because you're covering your egg. You're not intending to trap. If a short while later the chick the egg will start to hatch will be an interesting discussion but I think it, it, it seems like the case is someone is just laying the egg I don't think it would be hatched straight away that's a good point so according to Rabbi Yosef, the problem is one can't put a kli underneath a chicken in order uh, to catch the egg because the moment the egg goes into the kli you can no longer use that kli and there's two different opinions, Russia and Tysus. Is the problem because um because it resembles binion? In other words, the the way that you um attach something to the ground, that's a form of a malacha, or is it part of the malacha of destroying? Two different approaches exactly what's the problem. So now we have another opinion. So says the Gemara, this is quite a famous view. So up to Mem Gimel Amadalaf, Oma Rabbi Yitzchak. So Kishem She'ein Noisnin Kli Tachas Tangailas Lakabal Beit Sasa. So the same way as we don't allow one to put a vessel underneath the chicken in order to catch the egg. Kach Ein Kaifin Alea Kli Bishvil Shaloitishaver. So we also don't put a Kli over the egg in order for it not to break. So whatever the two opinions were, either because we allow you to move for the sake of a common occurring damage, or we allow you to move in a case where you're not being mavata the kli from its purpose. However you understood it, there was no problem to put the kli over the egg. Over the egg there's no problem, because either that was something which I was allowed to do, or because if the kli is over the egg, I'm not being mavata it, because I could always lift it up. There's no item of muksa within it. Rabbi Yitzchak, he's the one who's most machme. He says one can't move a kli for the sake of something muksa. So even though my bowl is a muksa, so if I'm using my bowl to fill up a salad, there's no problem. But Rabbi Yitzchak's opinion is to move your bowl in order to cover the egg, then I'm moving something, a kli, for the sake of something which is muksa, which would be forbidden. And therefore, kasava en kli nital ela ledava ha nital a kli could only be moved only, only for the sake of something which can be moved on Shabbos. So So we asked all those questions because yesterday we went through all different cases where a person would move a kli for the sake of something muksa. So say the case of moving your kli in order to save the wine or moving, or we had yesterday a person's lamp 
He's covering the lamp with a clay in order so it shouldn't burn his very low ceiling. We had many cases where we do move a clay for the sake of something muksa. Now according to Rabbi Yitzchak, how could that be? You can't move a clay for the sake of something muksa. So says the Gemara, this is a very famous answer, the Gemara uses this a lot with Rabbi Yitzchak. The Shani Besaruch Lim Kaimai, we answer it's where, in other words, there is a heter when it comes to a kli which is muksa. The moment, say, I need the place. The same, I, my bowl is on the table. I want that place in the table for, to sit and read. And I pick up that bowl. Once I've picked up that bowl, then I'm allowed to move it wherever I want. That's the halakha with something muksa which is saraklim kaimai. That means the moment I lifted it up in a way which was permitted because I needed the place, then I'm allowed. In other words, I don't have to just drop it like a hot coal. So say. Moisha, sorry, on the subject of place, could you just tell me where we are, please? Sarak Makaima. So Mem Gimel Amadalaf. Yep. About two lines down from when it gets white. Thank you very much. The bowl is not Moksha. Right, but in other words, you can't lift... That's the interesting point. The general principle of Sarukh Mekaima is said with something which is clearly muksa. But the, in other words, it's interesting. So when something is clearly muksa, so say I got my mobile phone on the table and then I need that place to eat. So I'm allowed to lift up the mobile phone. I don't have to drop it like a hot coal as soon as I move, as soon as I move it away, I could put it down wherever I want. And therefore also here, even though you can't move the clee for the sake of something muksa, once I pick it up, then I could put it down wherever you want. So it's the intention at the beginning of the action as opposed to the end. Right, yeah, very good. Although, as Grandpa pointed out, here is something interesting because the bowl isn't muksa. So what's happened if I pick up the bowl because I want to use it for a salad. And then, am I then allowed to move it? It's interesting that we latch on to Sarukh Mekaimai. Normally you need Sarukh Mekaimai for something which is intrinsically muksa. That's an interesting point. There's also big makhlaikas. Um, yeah, there's a big makhlaikas in Halakh. If I just pick something up without the head of Sarukh Mekaimai, if I'm allowed to put it down wherever I want. That's also an interesting discussion. So says the. Did, did you pick it up because you saw it in coma, or you picked it up and saw it something else? Wasn't that the whole point? Of it? <coughs> Sorry. What, wasn't the point? Uh, the the <laughs> itself is not mukta. Right. But you're not allowed to move it because you're moving it. Let's something which is mukta. Right. Yeah. Then how's it saw in coma? It isn't. It's sorry. It's sorry. It's the other thing. Right. So you're asking a question on what's the mechanisms of the het of Sarukh Mekaima, or No, not in general. I thought that here yes. we were talking about a case where the kli is not muksa, but you're not allowed to move it because it's you're moving off the buffet of something is muksa, which you're not allowed to do. But then the answer, well, you are now because it's Sarukh Mekaima of the kli is not relevant. Well, yeah, no, so the Gemara is saying, Agav, you were Sarukh Mekaima. In other words, you didn't actually need the place of the kli. And then once it was picked up, then you could put it wherever you want. Uh, now you, okay, now you put it over the other thing. Right, yeah, but it wasn't initially... Got you, sorry. No, it's all good.
in oh, other oh, words, oh, oh, sorry. So long as when you, so long as when you pick it up, um, you're picking it up not for the purpose of covering the egg. Yeah. You're picking it up because you want the place. Right. Or you're picking it up because you want to do something with it. But once it's in your hand, are we therefore saying, yes, you can cover the egg? Yeah. It's got into your hand for whatever, forever permitted purpose. Right. Yeah. That's aligning the two. Otherwise, it's illogical. If you can pick it up because you need the place, it's in your hand. If you can pick it up because you want to do something permitted with it, why should you not be able to put it on the egg? Because yeah. it's in your hand for a permitted purpose. Yeah, that's what I wasn't sure about. Because that's what's interesting why we say Sarf Mekhaima. That's why I said Nomi Sarf Mekhaima is something which is intrinsically muksa. Mm. Here, I, I don't know if we need to. Actually, say so, Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Shakuna is asking a general point. A lot of interference. Maybe people can mute or get muted and then put the the button when they want to speak because we're getting a lot of background noise this morning. I don't know if that's unusual for everyone. Yeah, no, we are. Okay. There's a sort of clucking (laughs) noise, a bit like a chicken in an egg. Oh, very good. (laughs) What came first? Yeah, hold on. Wait a sec, hang on. Okay, fine. So it says the Gemara further. So, sorry, can I go back to the chicken and the egg? Go on. why is the Gemara talking about something which shouldn't have occurred if you weren't allowed to put the bowl off and put it anyway? What do you mean? Well, if the bowl, the bowl's purpose is not to put on top of an egg, which is muksa. One can't do so, yeah. According to Rabbi Yitzchak. Ah, so some people say it's okay. Yeah, well, the question is exactly what. They, they would both agree that I could put the clay on top of the egg. But they would both agree that you can't put the kli underneath the egg. And the question is, what's the svara? Is it because um, to stop the egg being crushed, that's already something which is a common occurrence? And therefore, to put it on top, that was something which would regularly happen. To worry about the egg being laid and then smashed because it's going to roll down the hill, that isn't a regular occurrence. All the other opinion was, the moment you put a item of muksa into the kli, then you can no longer use that kli. And then you're being mavato kli mehechana. There's different opinions. Thank you. Yes, sure. So Tashima, so according to, according to Rabbi Yitzchak, you can't move a kli for the sake of something muksa. So Tashima, so Elchas Beit Sashanelda B'Shabbos, so this Bryce will be very familiar with Alex. So you have an egg which is laid on Shabbos or on Yom Tov. you can't move it. So if you have an open bottle, you can't put the egg on top as a bottle stopper. Or to support a bed. Apparently the egg, if you get the point exactly between the top and bottom, it's very sturdy. 
So you can't move the egg in order to support your bed. Look this up. Somebody wrote a scientific paper analysing how strong it was and why. <laughs> really? So yeah. I think tell your brother-in-law. He told me the. He told me a few months ago he was experimenting with one of his grandkids, but made a right old mess. Yeah, I think you've got to get it exactly right, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, that's something you can. Something you can try at home. Yeah. Well. Until your wife best, gets hold of you. Best done uh, over a sink, I think. Yeah. <laughs> While wearing a plastic uh, apron. And, uh, <laughs> it's hard to cover a bed. It's hard to carry a bed. They hard boil it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The wife won't be too happy. Yeah. However, uh, kaifa One's allowed to cover it with a vessel in order for it shouldn't be broke. In order for it not to break. So though you can't move the egg f to use it, but you're allowed to move a vessel in order to cover it. So according to Rabbi Yitzchak, how could you move a kli to cover the egg? The egg is muksa, and therefore I'm moving the kli for the sake of something which is muksa. And again says the Gemara, Here also you need the place, and therefore once I lifted up the kli because I needed the place, I could then use it to cover the egg. So tell Shema. So Pasa Marcellus Al Gabi Avanim Bashabas. If someone um one's allowed to put sheets over stones on Shabbos. Now surely those stones again, so someone's trying to protect the stones. So Rashi says either because of the rain, you sh they shouldn't get damaged. So what do we see? You're moving, you're spreading a mat, which is surely something which is permitted to move, except you're moving it for the sake of stones. And therefore, according to Yitzchak, he doesn't allow you to move something for the sake of something muksa. Why are we allowed to cover these stones with a mat? So says the Gemara, So in those days, they didn't have toilet paper, or they were facing a toilet paper shortage. So if you have sharp, this pointed edge off with a stone, then one could use it for wiping oneself. And therefore the stones themselves weren't moksa, because they were able to use in the Besakisse. So Tashma posin Maksalas Agabe Levenim Bishabas one may you could spread a mat over these bricks on Shabbos. Again, you want to protect the bricks or these, all these blocks. And again, surely they're muksa. So why could I move the mats for the sake of something muksa? So says the Gemara dish to you, mebinyana. So the Gemara says it's talking about where a person was building and then he had these bricks left over. So in those days, they didn't. Maybe they didn't have fancy couches or comfortable chairs, people will sit on these bricks. And therefore, because they're able to be sat on, they're not muksa. So Tashima, person machselas al gabe kaveris tevarim b'shabes. So say a person wants to protect his beehive, he could cover the beehive with a mat. So b'chama mipnei So if it's in the summer, he wants to protect it from the summer, from the sun. Of a gashamim nehagashamim, or during the winter to protect it from the rain. So, yeah, Michael, this is so yeah, very good, very good. And this was also Michael. You're similar to what you were saying. 
about the egg. So both Michaels are thinking alike. Oh, that's right. No, that's a bad sign. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Morning. Yeah. So, oh, lots. as long as when you're spreading the mat over the hive, one isn't intending to trap. Because then it would be a problem. We're going to go into more detail analysing this point. But first, let's deal with the Muxa problem. And it's our hell as well. To an extent, yeah. Well, hang on, you're totally covering it from fresh. Let's see. Let's see how the Gemara develops. There's oil. Is it an oil? Yes. Why? It already has an oil. You're just covering it. No, but it wasn't partially on. You're printing it on from fresh. You just cover... Let's see. It's more than galit of Let's see. Let's see. So says the Gemara, Hachabamayaskinon, De'ika Devash. Here we're talking about where there's honey. And therefore, if there's honey in the beehive, therefore the honey is permitted and therefore you're moving the mat for the sake of something permitted. So says the Gemara, the question is, because we said you're moving it in the summer to protect from the sun or the winter to protect from the rain. So So you could answer that I'm moving the mat for the sake of the honey. That makes sense where, when you're in the summer, to Ika Devash, where there is honey. But in the winter, where there's no honey, then what could you say? So the Gemara's question is, apparently bees, they only make the honey in the summer. And therefore, if you're saying I could move the mat for the sake of the honey, whereas moving it for the bees would be moving for the sake of something which is muksa. And how do you understand the Brisa which says both in the summer to protect from the sun or in the winter to protect from the rain? If I'm moving it for the honey, there's only honey in the summer. So says the Gemara, So in the winter where there's no honey, why am I allowed to move the mat? So says the Gemara, So the Gemara says, so I don't know if anyone has experience with bees, but apparently even when you... It's essential for the bees to have two combs of honey in order for them to stay. If, they, if you completely empty the hive, of, uh, the hive of everything, the bees will leave. They need to have two combs of honey. And therefore, even in the winter, there would be these two combs of honey. Hive. Sorry? And you get a new hive. What do you mean? A new hive got no combs. Yeah, maybe they create it from the start, but if you want the bees to stay, apparently they'll only stay if there's the combs of honey. Yeah, Michael, just behave yourself. Oh. Behave. Very oh. good. Very Commented good. a bit of a sting in the tail. That's <laughs> 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 So ask the Gemara, So the Gemara's question is, if the, these combs of honey are essential for the bees, then you're back to square one. Because we wanted to say, why am I allowed to move the mat? Because I'm moving it for the honey, which is a muksa. So the Gemara's question is, if you're moving it for the sake of these two combs of honey, they're muksa for you. 
because you've put them in for the sake of the bees and therefore you can't use it on Shabbos. So says the Gemara, So the Gemara says, the means he intended to use those two kerms of honey on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, you're right. Although usually these two kerms of honey would be muksa, but in a case where he intended to use it, then they won't be muksa. So says the Gemara, So if the person wouldn't have had intention to use it, so it would imply, my words be the halacha, also would be forbidden. So says the Gemara, So we said initially, in the beginning, we said you're allowed to move the mats to spread it over the hive, as long as one isn't intending to trap. So why don't we argue, why do we make the difference why do we say as long as you're not intending to trap? What should we say? We should say, So the Gemara says, why even discuss you're allowed to cover it as long as you're not intending to trap? You should start the stage before. You should say the only time where you're allowed to cover it during the winter, it's only if you had intention to use these combs of honey. If you didn't have intention to use these combs of honey, then they would be muksa, so it would be forbidden to move the mat for the to cover the hive during the winter. So the Gemara's question is why do we discuss why do we mention Start beforehand. Start make the difference. Are you intending to use these two combs during the winter or not? If one didn't have intentions to use it, then it would be forbidden to move. So says the Gemara, So the Gemara's Chiddush is that even though you didn't, even if you did have intent, so the Gemara is saying, even if you did have intent, so in terms of muksa, there's no problem, as long as you didn't intend to trap. So there's two points according to this. It must be you had intention beforehand to use the these combs before Shabbos. And now the Bryce is saying, even if you had intention to use these combs before Shabbos, you couldn't have intended to, to trap it. So says the Gumamani. So Ireb Shimon, Lesley Muksa. So the Gumar is now going to deal with this issue of Davish Shalai because there's a few famous arguments with Rabbi Huda and Reb Shimon. So one which we've been dealing a lot with over Shabbos is Dava She'ena Miskavin. So I'm doing something, and there might be a malach which was done, but that was completely unintended. So I'm moving, I'm dragging a bench. Inadvertently, I might create a hole. That's Dava She'ena Miskavin. But there's another famous machlaik, Rabbi Huda and Reb Shimon, which, please God, we're going to be discussing more of. And that's the halach in regards to muksa. So though the Gemara usually uses the term Reb Shimon doesn't hold of muksa, it doesn't mean he doesn't hold of the concept of muksa. It means he's much more lenient when it comes to muksa. Whereas Rabbi Yehud is always the one who's more strict. So the Gemara says, by you saying you have to be chishev aleha mibayd So you have to intend to use these combs of honey beforehand. 
That's showing what? You hold like Rabbi Yehuda, who holds off Muksa. But on the other hand, you're saying, so money, so says the Gemara, Ereb Shimon, Lesley Muksa. I just interject there. I mean, it seems, why would you not remove what the combs that you need for Shabbat before Shabbat? Because on Shabbat, the bees are still making honey. And I think in the winter, they don't make honey. I th- well, that's, yeah, maybe. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Many times the Gemara's cut this. There's no pollen in the winter. Okay, but, but they, they, they talked about winter, summer, and winter. So covering, covering the hive to protect. Yeah. No, you're right. It could be also. So in... if, if one side is Mulchan, you take it out before Shabbat and you put it aside. The cold. No, right. Well, you, put it on, you put it over a bowl like you do. You can buy it in the shop and you can have it, you know, right. dripping out into a bowl. I mean, you can't buy it on Shabbat. Yeah, but the Gemara many times. That's ready. I mean, that's already prepared. I mean. Yeah, I'm not a beehive expert, but the Gemara many times oh, isn't no, saying, yeah. isn't well. Grandpa won't be happy if I'm going to bring bees into his back garden. So for the time being, it's. Why not? Yeah. You have to go out. We've got wasps. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. So the Gemara is saying, the Gemara many times isn't telling you what's practically the best. It could be, I don't know, it might make more sense to take them before on Friday. But this person, he didn't. So then what's the halacha? We're not just saying this is what you should do. We just need to know the halacha if the case arises. It could be most people will be sensible like you if it does work and take it out on Friday. But if he didn't... Would be he really needs to be very careful when he takes them out. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so says the Gemara. So Mani Ireb Shimon Lesley Muksa. So the Gemara says, who's this Brisa? If we go according to Reb Shimon, then he doesn't hold of Muksa. Ireb Yehuda, if we go like Reb Yehuda, who does hold of Muksa, and that's why it's necessary to be Chishevaleha, then Kilai Miskavin Mayhava. So what does we say? We said you're allowed to cover it as long as you didn't intend to trap it. But says the Gemara, how does it help you if that's not your intention? Rabbi Huda's famous view is, Hadava she'ena miskavin. Also, according to Rabbi Huda, if I'm dragging the bench and inadvertently I might create a hole, I'm not allowed to do that. Because according to Rabbi Huda, Dava she'ena miskavin. Also, so the Gemara says, how do we understand the Brisa, which on one hand it requires you to be Chishevaleha, you need to have intention to use it on Friday, which implies we do hold off Muksa, which is the opinion of Rabbi Huda. But on the other hand, we say Miskavein is Muta, because if I cover it and I had intention to I didn't have intention to trap, that would be permitted. That follows Reb Shimon, because according to Rabbi Huda, it would be forbidden. So says the Gemara, Ailam Rabbi Huda. So really, it's Rabbi Huda. So So what does it mean you make it so you don't intend to trap it? It doesn't mean I'll cover the whole thing because I want to cover it and not trap it. It means Shalaya in other words, you should always leave a bit of space so the bees could get out. 
And therefore when it says over Vad lots that it means that I'm leaving space so they shouldn't be able to be trapped. And that's according to Rabbi Huda what it means. It's called an exit strategy. Yeah. It's interesting because even it implies according to Reb Shimon if there's no, as Michael put it, exit strategy, one's still permitted. But I don't know why it's not Pesik Reisha. There's bees you can't mess about. You need smoke. The smoke can quieten them down. I don't know. No mention of that. Or they, have, or they just cover themselves with protective clothing. No, that's what they do. They don't want to drive the bees out. These are valuable commodity. But before you mess about with them, you've got to use smoke. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So I'm not sure, according to Rabbi Huda, Reb Shimon, why it won't be a sick ratio. Okay. So says the Gemara further. Suravashiyama, so Mikatani Bimaisakama Uvimaisagashama. So how what why did we have this question? Because we were discussing you're moving a mat and we understood the Brysa. You're moving the mat to protect the hive in the summer from the sun and on the winter because of the rain. So Rav Ash he's changing how we understand Mikatani Bimaisakama Uvimaisagashamim. Does it say you move it in the summer and in the winter? So bechama mipnei hakama over gashamim mipnei hagashamim katani. It just says you're allowed to move it on a sunny day and you're allowed to move it on a rainy day, and therefore biyomi nisan or biyomi tishri. So in the days of nisan and tishri, to ikachama the ikagashamim, so the ikadavash. So, the, so according to the way Rav Ashi is explaining it, he's saying, don't forget about trying to work out ways, why does the Brasa permit you to cover the mat, the beehive, during the winter? You're misunderstanding it. We're not saying you cover it during the winter. We're saying you cover it in days when it's sunny and days when it's rainy. And therefore some days, Nisan and Tishrei, in Eretz Yisrael, where there wouldn't be rain in between that, but Nisan... And Tishra, it's normal for it to be sunny and for it to be rainy, and there would be honey. And therefore, during the time where there is honey, sometimes it rains, sometimes it's sunny during Nissan or Tishra, then it would be permitted to move the mat to cover the beehive. Why? Because there's honey inside. Whereas according to Rabbi Yitzchak, you're right. If you're just covering your beehive during the winter, then it would be forbidden. So Amalahu Reb Sheshes. So Pukova Amrle the Reb Yitzchak. Go and tell Reb Yitzchak. Kavad Tegma Rifuna Lishamatek Bava. So they've already said your sugya in Bava. So Reb Yitzchak's opinion, which says, Oh, thank God. My someone's just having connect, connection problems. Yeah. 
Yeah, he just messaged me. He gets booted out of Zoom, but it's not from my end. Okay, nothing we could do. Okay, so Amalo Ribshashes. Pokov Amrle Ribius Kok. Kavatik Marifuna Rishamatech Babava. So Rifuna has already said your sugya in Bava. So your, your halacha of saying you can't move a kli for the sake of something muksa. This was a discussion in Bava. To Amr Rifuna. So now we're talking about making a mechitza for mace. So if there's a dead body in the sun, where there there's a concern the sun might um, decompose the dead body, how could we make mechitza in order to protect it? So the halacha is you make the mechitza for a living person and then let that living person move away. And it would act as a mechitza for the mace. However, However, we can't make a mechitza directly for the mace. So we're going to discuss the mechanisms. But what do we see from here? We see from here, according to Rafuna, the mace is something which is muksa. And you're allowed to make a mechitza for the sake of someone who's alive, but you can't move the mechitza for the sake of someone who's for the sake of a dead body. And therefore we see you can't move something for a muksa item. So Mahi, what's the case? Um, so if you have a mace which is lying in the sun, so all, the, all, all what we're doing, we're making a mechitza, for the need of the living people. And then, as they move away, it would agav be a mechitza for mace. And therefore, two people, they go sit next to it. Cham lahem el mata. And then eventually, they'll feel the ground which is hot. So, zem mevi mito v'yayshvaleo. For zem mevi mito v'yayshvaleo. Each one would bring a bed to sit on it. So, they'll be putting a bed either side of the mace, but it was for their use. So when they feel the heat from above, so So they bring a sheet and cover it over both of them in order to shield them from the sun. So So maybe I don't know exactly what these beds look like, maybe it was like a deck chair. But then afterwards they would sort of straighten up the bed and that will hold up the sheet over the dead body. And then they go away. Was it like a four post? Maybe. But it was something. Yeah, we do this. I hate to say it. <laughs> Sorry? We do this in sukkah. Different kinds of beds. Yeah. Have, uh, right. Sorry, he... Michael. Hold on. I'm not sure. Is that correct, Mr. Plus? <laughs> uh, it's parakeet. Uh, It's Perik Rishon. Yeah. So the first. It's the first Perik. So the pointy bed is the Mitach Hasanim. Yeah. That's what's. Po- yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. So Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. Currently, there's no. Yeah. 
Yeah, has to be in the Rishas Hayachet. I mean, arguably, arguably, you shouldn't really leave the mace by itself. So somebody should be with the mace, machin, particularly in this sort of this sort of situation, because some animals could come and disturb the. Uh, yeah, no, for mace. sure. You put a chard on it, and you just carry it out. Yeah, let's see. We're going to discuss that. The police. Yeah, they're coming for Michael after his child. Uh, <laughs> Hang on. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. We're going to see. There's actually a big discussion halakhically because with the mace it's covered habriyas so normally we say God's all covered habriyas shadaycha es laysa se shibitara so all these are cases where there's alternative options that's distinct from met mitzvah sorry distinct from met mitzvah yeah but yeah Yeah, okay. So there's there's a lot to discuss. So if you heard um so it's so mace hamotel bachamaf, there's a mace which is in the chama, in the sun. Rabihuda Aima Rabihuda Aima Shmal Haifchemita Lemita. So if you can't move it directly, so you put Two beds. In in other words, if the mace was already on the bed, then you're just going to have to get another bed and keep rolling it from bed to bed, and therefore don't lift it up directly. So even though the mace is something which is muksa, one can move the mace in a way that's indirect. So if Chanina Bashami Mishmeid Rav Amma, so this was the famous hat which Shlama. Hamelach gave for David. So meniach alav kika aitinak umetaltelai. You put on the mace either a bread or a child, and then you're allowed to lift up the dead body for the sake of the bread or for the sake of the child. So says the Gemara. So hecha deika kika aitinak kula amalai pligi deshari. So the Gemara says when there was an option to put a bread or a child onto the dead body, then everyone permits it. So keep pliki to lesle. The whole argument is where there's nothing available. And therefore, tmasava tiltal minatsad shemei tiltal. And therefore, literally means moving it from the side. And therefore, the question is, am I allowed to move a muksa object in an indirect manner? And therefore, the argument is, am I allowed to move it from bed to bed? Because that would be tiltal so one can't save a mace through, um, because of the fire. So if you have a fire burning, according to this view, you have to leave it. So one can save a dead body through a fire. So either ikakikai tinak. 
So the Gemara asks, if there is a bread or a child, my Tama de Tanakama, what would be the reason why the Tanakama would forbid you saving the dead body? If there's a way to save it, save it. Idaleka, my Tama de Rabbi Huda ben, ben Lakish, what would be the reason of Rabbi Huda ben Lakish who permits you to save it? So the Gemara says, we have an argument. I, one Tana says one can't save the dead body, the other Tana says one could save the body. So the Gemara wants to know what's the what's the scenario. In other words, what's the case where there's an argument? If there's a child or a dead body to put on the mace, then why would the Tanakama forbid saving the mace? If there's no dead body, then why would Rabbi Huda ben Lakish permit it? So says the Gemara, So it must be the argument is moving from the side. So the question is, is moving something indirectly, is that considered forbidden when it comes to Muksa? So Rabbi Huda ben Nakish would hold, moving something indirectly isn't a problem with Muksa, and therefore I could save, one could save a maze from a fire in an indirect manner. So says the Gemara, like, Kula ama tiltum minat sad, shemei tiltum. Everyone holds tiltum minat sad, shemei tiltum. Fahayna tamad Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish. So why does Rabbi Yehuda ben Lakish permit it? So mitach she'adam bohol am meisai. Because a person is concerned about his mace, Eli shorisle, if one won't be able to save the dead body, asu l'chaboye, then he would put out the fire. And therefore it could be even... Tiltum minat sad would be forbidden. But in the case of the fire where the dead body could be burnt, therefore he would say, if one wouldn't be allowed to move the dead body, then he might put out the fire. And therefore, though tiltum minat sad might usually be forbidden, in this case it would be permitted. So Amar Abasi Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Halacha Rabbi Huda ben Lakish Bameis. The Halacha holds like Rabbi Huda ben Lakish when it comes to Mace. Some days, some days stuff. So we're not far behind, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So says the Gemara further. So ain. So ain't in himenu lefisha ain't min hamucha. So. So we saw uh, if a person puts. Uh, puts a container underneath an oil lamp in order to collect the oil. We said the halacha is you can't have benefit from the oil. So says the Gemara, Tan Rabbanan, Maisa Shemen Shabaneh. That's, that's, that's benefit on Shabbat. Yeah. On the Shabbat right. itself. Right, yeah. I think that was that Richard's point yesterday. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Richard who? Nusin Mordechai. So the leftover oil from the lamp, according to Rabbi Yehuda, would be forbidden. According to Rabbi Shimon, it would be permitted. So again, so we're going to see the next mission. This is the famous argument, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon, to what extent do we forbid Moksa? And therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, he's always more machmeh. And therefore, when Shabbos came in, the lamp was burning. If the lamp is burning, then I definitely can't use the oil because I might extinguish the lamp. And therefore, it's muksa. 
And therefore the question is, once something is muksa, when Shabbos came in, would it stay muksa for the whole Shabbos? That would be Rebbe Huda. Or Rebbe Shimon would say, no, as long as the fire is burning, then it would be muksa. Once the fire has gone out, then it wouldn't be muksa. So says the Mishnah, now we're going to get into more details. One can move a new lamp, but not an old lamp. So this we're going to discuss various different types of muksa. So the first muksa which we're discussing is muksa machmas mius. So muksa machmas mius means it's muksa because it's disgusting. And therefore the question is, if something is disgusting, am I allowed to move it? So these, so these um, earthenware lamps, once they get used, they'll be really be very grotty with all the leftover burnt oil. And therefore it wasn't something which was pleasant. So according to the Tanakama, you're only allowed to move a new lamp because then it isn't muk. So we're talking about where there's no fire burning. But just to move the lamp itself, you could only move it if it's a new lamp. And when you mean new, you mean not been used. Right, yeah, not been used. Yavala but non old one. Whereas Reb Shimon All one could move all the lamp, all the different types of lamps, besides for one which is actually a light on Shabbos. So according to Reb Shimon, we're going to see he's much more lenient when it comes to muksa. And he says, look, even if it's not so pleasant, one can still move it. The only limitation is, whilst the lamp has a fire on it, then it would be forbidden to move. So we're going to see in, this, in the Gemara. So Tanra Abadam, Metal Chadash One can move a new lamp, but not an old lamp. Divrei Rabbi Huda. Was Remeya Aima, Kal Haneris Metal you could carry any light, any lamp, besides for something, besides for a candle which was lit on Shabbos. So according to Remea, we need to take into account two different types of muksa. There's muksa machmas mias, there's muksa because something isn't pleasant, and there's also muksa machmas issa. So muksa machmas issa means as long as there's going to be an issa involved. So say I have the fire burning. I can't take out any of the oil. Because by taking out the oil, I'm being mechaba, I'm extinguishing. And therefore, as long as the candle is or the flame is burning, the oil is muksa machmas issa. So remea he doesn't hold of muksa machmas mias, but he does hold of muksa machmas issa. So there's two different forms of muksa which we're taking into account. So the muksa because something isn't pleasant, or muksa because it involves something which is forbidden. Now the third point which we need to take into account isn't in terms of muksa, isn't in terms of the type of muksa, but do we say once something was muksa when Shabbos came, comes in, it would remain muksa for the entire Shabbos, even if that reason goes away. So we said yesterday, the classic example, someone has an animal, it, um, it dies on Shabbos, can you feed, move that animal to feed one's dogs? 
So when Shabbos came in, this animal was live and kicking, so it's muksa. But now it's dead, so therefore technically it is available for use. But because it was muksa bein hashmashas, it remains muksa for the entire day. So, so there are three things which we're taking into account: muksa machmas mios, muksa machmas issa. And if something was muksa when Shabbos came came in, does it remain muksa for the entire Shabbos? And therefore, Remeir says, "Kala neres metaltelin, chutz minanesh shehid liku by b'Shabbos." So Remeir says you could move any lamp, because he doesn't hold off the concept of muksa machmas mias, but he does hold off the concept of muksa machmas issa, and he also says once a lamp was a light when Shabbos came in, it was muksa then. Therefore, it remains muksa the whole Shabbos, even though the fire is out. So now the fire is out, there should be no problem in terms of the Issa of me removing the oil. But because it was a light when Shabbos came in, it remains muksa the entire Shabbos. So Rabbi Shimon says one could move any lamp besides for a lamp which is actually lit. So as long as the fire is there, then it would be forbidden. However, according to Reb Shimon, he's more lenient. However, once the fire goes out, then it would be permitted to move the candle. So according to Reb Shimon, he doesn't hold off. Because something was muksa bein it remains muksa the entire day. And therefore he agrees with the concept of muksa machmas issa. So as long as the flame is alight, it's forbidden to touch the oil. Once the candle, once the flame goes out, then it would be permitted. Avakais for karava ashashis salayazizem mimkaimam. But these plates or these large, in other words, this we're going to see is actually something which you don't think is going to go out. So they're large, different containers which are containing oil. There, Reb Shimon says you can't move it. For Reb Lazar, Reb Shimon Aimer. So, so according to Rebbe Lazar Reb Shimon, he's the most lenient. He says once the, if a candle is already flickering, so it's starting to go out, or the oil has dripped out of the lamp when the lamp was still lit, even though there's still some form of fire, one is allowed to use the oil. So Rebbe Lazar Reb Shimon, he's the most lenient out of all these views, because he's saying even whilst the fire is lit, one can still have benefit from the oil, as long as he says only if the lamp is already flickering and it's on its way out. Because then the interesting view, you won't be over Mishum Mechabe, or the oil has dripped out of the lamp into a plate, in which case... You wouldn't be mechabe. Okay, so let's just finish off. Amabaya. Rebbe Lazar Reb Shimon Savala Kavu Bechado Poligalea Bechado. So Rebbe Lazar Reb Shimon he holds like his father in one case, but argues with his father in another case. Reb Shimon is the one who's lenient. So Savala Kavu Bechado the Lesley Muksa. So he holds like his father because he doesn't hold of Muksa. Or Poligalea Bechado and he argues with him in another case. His father holds it's only if you put out the fire, then you could have benefit from the oil. 
but for fire wasn't put out, you can't. For you will suffer alpha gov to like cover. Whereas he holds, even though it isn't put out, it would still be forbidden. And therefore, sorry, still be permitted. And therefore, Rabbi Lazar Shimon, he agrees with his father in terms of being lenient with Muksa, but he argues with his father because he goes even more lenient than his father. Okay, should we call it a day here? Not for the, sh- for the morning share. Yeah, so 6.30, yeah? Yeah, that works. 6.30, plus, gentlemen. Hi, Yom, Shman, Yom, Shahin, Shavuot, Echad, Mishat, Yomim, Lot, Omer. Thank you, Mel. Very good. Bye. 6.30. 6.30. Lovely day. Nice. Yeah, sure pleasure. Bye, bye, y'all. Okay, Who's Mr. Cohen or Mrs. Cohen? Huh? There's a Cohen here. Oh, who's that? Who's that? I don't know. I just see Cohen. Your your cousin? I you don't know? know. I really don't know. Why don't he show himself? You could ask. Uh, Mr. Cohen. 